Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, we'll meet poet and conceptual artist Jonah Mixon-Webster, whose debut poetry collection, Stereotype, explores blackness, sexuality, and calls out government indifference to the struggles for clean water in his hometown of Flint. First, though, we'll look at the election to recall Governor Gavin Newsom. It's close if you consider likely voters. A new poll finds among those saying they plan to vote, 47 percent favor recalling the governor, while 50 percent oppose it. We look at the role of voter turnout in determining Newsom's fate next on Forum. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. A new UC Berkeley Institute of Governmental Studies poll finds that voters likely to cast ballots in the recall election are nearly evenly split on whether to remove Governor Newsom from office. 47% say they'd recall the governor, while 50% say they wouldn't. If the governor wants to boost that margin, he doesn't have a lot of time to do it. Mail-in ballots start going out August 16th. Joining me now, Dr. Mindy Romero, political sociologist and founder and director at the Center for Inclusive Democracy, a nonpartisan research center at USC. Thanks so much for joining us, Mindy Romero. Thanks for having me. Good morning. Also with us is Guy Marzarati, KQED reporter and producer for KQED's Politics Desk. Guy, are you with us? And while we're waiting to reconnect with Guy Marzarati there, Dr. Romero, for a long time, polls have been showing support for recalling the governor somewhere in the 30 percentage point range, in part because of the state's strong majority of Democratic voters. But this poll suggests that that majority in no way means the governor won't be recalled. What's going on with this poll? What is it showing us? Sure. Well, the poll is showing us not just what Californians say they want or registered voters say they want. It's zeroing in on likely voters. And likely voters in any given election in the state um, is a different population than registered voters or 
or their population at large. And in this particular election, it's uh, essentially a special election, even though no longer officially designated like that. Um, not everyone's going to participate. And right now the poll is has determined um, who they think are likely, and those likely voters, uh, Republicans, have an outsized impact. Impact, um, And it's a lot closer. It's a lot closer game, I think, than many had expected at this point. In partly, they were showing, this poll was showing that 90% of Republicans are expressing a high level of interest, whereas some 58% of Democrats are expressing that level of interest. Do you know what's contributing to the lack of interest among Democrats? Yeah, well, the poll certainly gives us a lot of cues. Um, you know, I think, first off, folks that are interested in this, they're seeing it through a, through a highly partisan lens, right? So nearly all Republicans um, don't see the governor favorably and Democrats do, um, but there's an enthusiasm gap. So for those that are following the, the, the trials and tribulations of the recall election, um, you know, Republicans are intently interested. Democrats are feeling pretty safe. Um, you know, a majority said that they felt, or almost all actually felt that that their governor was safe. Um, they are, I think, wondering if their vote really matters. Um, do they need to actually follow this? Do they need to actually participate on election day? Uh, because, you know, the voter, they perceive the governor as essentially um, safe in this recall. And that's having an impact on that likely voter profile and ultimately making these numbers really close. Generally, too, these sort of off schedule or unscheduled, in this case with recalls, they tend to be lower turnout generally, right? Yeah, well, of course, a recall is a really rare thing for us, but um, but yes. Um, but now, even off year. Off year, primary elections, special elections that we have through, you know, periodically throughout the state for various reasons, those are the elections that people aren't tracking. Um, they're typically not aware of them. I mean, for this recall, we just set the date in California. The legislature did, um, well, the whole process did, I should say, um, a couple of uh, weeks ago. Um, so we're all still learning what that date is. So it's something that the voters are not used to. But yes, generally, um, turnout is lower. And that means that also the the representation in the electorate. It's usually older, wealthier, whiter, a little bit more Republican than we would expect in our blue state. Low turnout elections tend to generally favor Republicans a little bit, but again, overwhelmingly we're a blue state. So Democrats have the sheer numbers. In this election, we have also this enthusiasm where we see more Republicans paying attention, more Republicans having a strong feeling um, about the election period, but about the governor. Um, and feeling like the election matters. And that makes a difference in the bottom line numbers here. We're talking about the upcoming recall of Governor Gavin Newsom. The election is happening September 14th. You're reminding me to say that, Minnie Romero, because uh, you're right. People really don't know that date. And not only that, but mail-in ballots are going out August 16th. And... Uh, <laughs> I, I want to invite you, our listeners, to join this conversation, giving us your reaction to these poll numbers, uh, letting us know what your thoughts are about the recall. 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786 is the number to call. You can email us, forum at kqed.org, or get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. And we're talking with Dr. Mindy Romero, political sociologist and founder and director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy at USC. And I believe Guy Marzarotti is with us now, KQED reporter and producer for our politics desk. Guy, are you there? 
Good morning, Mina. Great to be here. I'm glad you are with us, Guy. And uh, hey, remind us what the ballot is going to look like. What will voters be asked to do? Right. So it's, it's a unique ballot that if you didn't participate in the 2003 election, you probably you have not seen before as a California voter. So it's really two questions. The first is a yes or no. Should Governor Gavin Newsom be recalled from office? Um, the second question is, if Newsom is recalled, if a majority of voters vote to recall him, who should replace him? And so voters in the second question will get to pick from a list of potential replacement candidates. Newsom won't be on that uh, replacement list. And even if you vote no to oppose the recall, you can still pick someone on the list in that second question. Interestingly, Guy, one of the points that was raised about the enthusiasm gap uh, that Dr. Romero is talking about is the fact that the recall lacks a prominent, a really prominent GOP candidate and even a really prominent Democratic candidate hoping to replace Newsom. Can you talk a little bit about at least on the Democrat strategy, the side of not trying to run anyone against the governor. Right. This was a really key uh, point for the Newsom campaign for the last you know, six months, is making sure no high-profile Democrat got on the ballot to potentially replace Newsom. The theory being that this was something that worked against Democratic Governor Gray Davis in 2003. His l- lieutenant governor at the time, Cruz Bustamante, did put his name on the ballot. And it, you know, in, in some minds, perhaps created confusion. Uh, they had to craft a message of no on recall, but yes on Bustamante as a, a replacement candidate. And I think the strategy going forward this time was let's let's make it really simple let's you know concentrate the democratic message on simply no on the recall and not have any kind of high profile or you know seeming alternative uh, to Newsom on that replacement list who's a democrat but as this poll shows that likely voters uh, favor recalling the governor by 47 percent and it's within the margin of error there do you think they need to be rethinking that strategy? Because what are the pitfalls of that? You know, I think the pitfalls are if, if uh, you know, a majority vote to recall Newsom, it now looks like all the most high prof- profile candidates to, to potentially replace him are Republicans. Um, I don't think that really changes, you know, the strategy going forward for Newsom, which is put all the eggs in the basket of no on the recall really try to uh, use the the vast war chest that he has. He has a huge financial advantage over the other side in this in this recall campaign. Use that to, you know, drive home the message of turnout, make sure voters know the key facts of the elections and how they can participate. And I think you saw that, you know, last night the Newsom campaign rolled out an ad with Elizabeth Warren um, just, you know, talking to the camera making the case for why voters should reject the recall, but also driving home those key, you know, September 14th is the election date. Every voter gets a ballot in the mail, kind of repeating uh, those simple turnout messages that I think are really key if Newsom's going to defeat this. And you remember, I was struck by one of Newsom's spokespeople saying to leave the second question once, especially if you're a Newsom supporter, and you say that you do not favor recalling the governor, that leaving the question of who should take his place blank. But ultimately, what that does is it really leaves it to mostly Republican voters to determine his replacement, right? You you do lose your say, even if you don't support the recall. Yeah, and I'll just say from you know a democracy perspective, a voter's cho- voter's uh, voice perspective, uh, if you're touching that ballot and you're participating in the election, you should fill out both. You should have a say, um, even if you don't want to see the governor recalled. If for some reason he is recalled in the end, um, 
then you should have a, 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 a you know a say in, in what that replacement uh, looks like or who that person is. Um, so I, I disagree, obviously, with the governor's strategy on that one. Well, let me go to caller Denise in San Francisco. Hi, Denise. You wanted to weigh in. Hi. Yes, I just wanted to comment that I find it just incredibly frustrating that people don't vote, and and you know I this I feel this in every election, but. This one especially, and I forget if it was you, Mina, or your guest who commented that there were a lot of, probably your guest, that there were a lot of Democratic, um, you know, registered voters who just feel like um, it's safe, so they don't need to bother to vote. And I just that, that I just find that kind of thinking maddening, and I don't I don't understand why people um, don't take their duty to vote, seriously. Denise, thanks for the comment. I don't know, Mindy Romero, if you have any thoughts on that, because I'm sure you hear that a lot. Yeah, I mean, in any given election, right, we have a, a, a fairly large number, sometimes incredibly large number of voters, sometimes an overwhelming majority of eligible voters that don't vote. Even in you know the 2020 general election, highest eligible turnout in this state since 1952, and we still had 30% of eligible voters that didn't um, participate. There's lots of reasons for that. There's lots of barriers for voters, particularly historically underrepresented groups. So we want to keep that in mind. Um, but I would say for this election, again, whether you're for or against the recall, the fact is we have a recall. We have an election. It's highly consequential for our state. Um, and everyone needs to participate. And I think particularly for voters that typically don't participate in low profile, it was hard to say that this is a low profile election, but again, a, a non- um, a new election, one that's not, you know, regularly scheduled, that sort of thing. Um, voters want to have an historically underrepresented voters need to be present because um, low turnout elections mean that that group of voters is even less representative of the rest of the population. Um, and uh, turnout, higher turnout means that we'll have a more representative section of Californians actually making a decision here. And that's what the governor, by the way, also needs to be looking towards. He needs to make a case for why people are going to participate in this election. Yeah, well, we'll talk more with you and Guy about how he's making that case after the break. Jennifer writes, all elections matter. Newsom's position sounds reminiscent of Democrats' confidence that Clinton would for sure win. If you want to share your thoughts, 866-733-6786 is the number. Email us forum at kqed.org or post your comments on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. More after the break. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're looking at where the effort to recall Governor Newsom currently stands and how voter turnout 
might affect the outcome. We're talking with Guy Marzarati, KQED reporter and producer on our politics desk, and Dr. Mindy Romero, political sociologist and founder and director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy at USC. You, our listeners, are with us sharing your thoughts about the recall election. Tell us if you'll be voting. Give us a call, 866-733-6786. Again, 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Email your questions to forum at kqed.org. So just before the break, Guy, you were talking about this a little bit in terms of Newsom campaigning a bit differently. And you mentioned that he is rolling out some ads with Elizabeth Warren. So talk about what is his strategy here? What's the message that he's hoping will draw out his voters? Right. So I talked a little bit about the voter turnout message. I would say the other big piece of the Newsom campaign so far is to try to nationalize this campaign. We know that the National Republican Party, former President Donald Trump, are very unpopular in California. And so right from the beginning, uh, the Newsom campaign has really been about trying to tie this recall effort to national Republicans. Um, you know, I, I think that gives them the best chance to make this kind of a Democrat versus Republican matchup, which playing the numbers game is, is advantageous for them uh, in California. On the flip side, you know, supporters of the recall have tried not to involve uh, national politicians. There, there still are some. Mike Huckabee, a former governor of Arkansas, has donated to the campaign and will be campaigning uh, for the recall in California this week. Um, but to a large extent, many of the candidates on the ballot to potentially replace Newsom have tried to distance themselves from former President Trump and the National Republican Party. This listener writes, I find it bizarre that an official can be recalled just because some group of people have decided they are done with him or her. Absent some corruption or criminal behavior, an official shouldn't be recalled just because you don't like them. I saw some ads, too, Guy, where um, Newsom or the Newsom campaign or supporters of the Newsom campaign were trying to highlight that some of the originers, originators of the recall were QAnon and also to try to uh, highlight connections that they feel exist to white uh, supremacists as well. But Mindy Romero, I'm curious to get your your assessment of his strategy, Newsom's campaign strategy right now to nationalize this election. Do you think it'll work? Well, I think he certainly needs, uh, you know, it makes all sense for him to engage in this strategy, to make it about Trump and related um, supporters. Basically, what he wants to do simply is to delegitimize, right, the, the recall, to say it's not about his performance. It's not what Californians want or need. It's this group of people um, that are trying to upend our election process, right, duly elected governor that's trying to rewrite the 2020 general election as well. Um, not to make, so that way the argument isn't about, you know, assessing what Newsom has or hasn't done. It just takes it completely out of that area. And it's about, you know, fighting, right, fighting for um, uh, the process that Californians have already said is important to them, right? Not to overturn it, quote unquote, some of the lines that have been used. But, you know, I, I think Newsom, aside from that strategy, um, clearly with some of the most recent numbers, um, needs to make sure that he is, one, uh, 
educating voters out there that there is an election, a recall election. All of us have heard this, your listeners have heard this, I'm sure, but there's a lot of voters that aren't aware of the recall election. And a lot of those voters that he wants to become likely voters. Remember the likely voter pool is typically smaller. Um, we would assume at this point for this type of election, he wants to widen that out and get some of those voters that vote in those big, you know, the presidential um, uh, general elections. He's gonna have to make sure they know that September 14th is election day or that they're gonna get their vote by mail ballot in the mail and what to do with it. And he needs to um, make a case why it's important for their lives, why, why it matters, especially since there's no other statewide initiatives on the ballots, another factor of why this might be lower turnout. And lastly, he needs to, for those people that care about the election and want to see him stay, that think, well, he's safe and why, do, why, do, why does their actual vote matter? He needs to make a case that every vote matters. And, you know, and ultimately, Newsom doesn't want to just win this, or I should say defeat the recall. He wants. He doesn't want this to be close. He wants to control the narrative. He wants to come out of this as a you know just to be able to call that he's had a resounding um, referendum right for him, a resounding defeat for the recall. He wants to come out of this as strong as possible for his re-election, but also his future aspirations to basically counter that national narrative that's pointing to California to say, hey, look. You know, Californians are even in a you know blue state. They uh, Democrats have screwed up so much. They're they're going to get rid of their governor. So if it's close, the narrative will still hold to some degree. We'll see that, right? Um, look, we almost got rid of right our Democratic governor. So he wants this to be a strong defeat of the recall. He doesn't want it to be close. He needs every vote. Well, Beth writes, I am so disappointed the state and counties will spend millions of dollars for a special election to recall a man who would have been up for re-election next year. One would have thought that conservatives would have concentrated on finding a winnable Republican to run against Newsom in 2022 instead of wasting tax dollars. Guy, who has the edge right now on the replacement side of the ballot if voters do, in fact, decide they want to recall the governor? Well, obviously, it's early. We've only had a couple of weeks since the candidate or week, at least, since the candidate list has been finalized. But I think the early polling and that this was evident in that uh, Berkeley poll that came out this week is Larry Elder, who is a conservative talk show host from L.A., um, has led a lot of the early polling. Um, we'll see if that holds up. But I do think, you know, to the to the listener's point. There's clearly an advantage uh, for Republicans in a recall election that they would not enjoy in a regular election against Newsom. The main part of it is this is not a one-on-one matchup, in which case voters would be contrasting Newsom to one other particular candidate. When you're, you know, voting in a recall, it's a yes or no, and you're, you know, maybe pitting Newsom against a, you know, fantasized or an unknown, uh, perfect alternative that doesn't, that may not exist. And so I think there's definitely an advantage for Republicans particularly in given all the turnout off year issues that we've talked about already um, that would not exist if they simply tried to defeat Newsom in November of 2022. Let me go to caller Christina in San Francisco. Hi, Christina. Hi, Mina. Hi, Guy. Hi, Mindy. $228 million. You know, they were saying tax dollars. It's $228 million that this is costing the state. It's way too easy to recall the governor in California. I've only lived here since 1990, and I've been through two of these. This is nuts. How have have we gotten to this point? How can we avoid it in the future? This is stupid. And anybody who doesn't vote, you need to vote. That's how democracy survives. 
If I'm wrong, great. Vote me down. Vote. Well, Christine, anyway, I'll let you guys discuss this. Yeah, I do want to discuss your point, uh, Mindy Romero, Christina's point about how easy it is to recall a governor in California. I have heard that sentiment before. Well, it, it is on paper, of course. Um, we've only done it once before in 2003. Um, sorry, that goes my cat meowing. I think, um, he has an opinion as well. Everyone has an opinion. Um, you know, but you can look to other states. Some states don't allow it. Some states have a higher threshold than we do. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a case to be made. Uh, maybe not necessarily about whether we should be, we should have the process, but the rules of the game uh, and uh, and how, how how difficult it is. But quite frankly, before this um, latest effort hit and stuck, there were, I think in total six uh, attempts to recall Newsom right out of the gate when he, you know, in total, but beginning right out of the gate when he became governor. Um, and uh, this really uh, ended up um, sticking because uh, a judge allowed the, the recall proponents to have more time to gather enough signatures, um, with more time period, and they ended up gathering enough signatures. And of course, the French Laundry incident um, probably didn't help, and, and the pandemic certainly um, was a big part of it. So it's a, we had a, a perfect storm and a collection of events that came together for us to see this recall. Mm. Uh, I don't know how easy it is, you know, in the future to see another recall, but certainly there are, um, you know good cases to be made about tightening things up and making it a little bit more difficult. But I would say California voters like don't like to give up control. We have the initiative process in our state, not present in many other states. We like to be able to make decisions um, and, and have also the ability to recall our governor if we yes. see fit. <laughs> we do. Uh, that said, as, as you were pointing out, Guy, there really is a short period of time for such an important office in case he is recalled to really make an informed choice about who should replace him at this point. And, and that is really kind of startling if you think about it as part of the system. Right. And I think the caller Christina speaks for a lot of California voters who I think when this is said and done, when this election is over, will want a reevaluation of this recall process. Even the secretary of state has you know, already said this is something that I think we should look at after the election. The low it's you know, one of the lowest thresholds in the country to spur recall. I think Mindy is spot on. And in the past, California voters have been very protective of our direct democracy and our ability to, to make direct change at the ballot. But I do think this is something that will spur a conversation, uh, at least among state legislators, but to Christina's point that maybe it's time that we look at changing these rules a little bit. I mean, the, the PPIC came out with a poll this week that shows strong majorities would want either a higher signature threshold or maybe limit a recall election to you know specific misdeeds or corruptions or malfeasance on the part of the governor um, and not just the, you know the low signature threshold we have today. Well, Doug writes, as an independent, I'm offended by the Democratic TV ad that uses January 6th and voter suppression as a way to attack the recall. If Governor Newsom deserves to remain in office, his supporters should be talking about why. Deborah writes, can we write in Newsom's name on the recall ballot? Minnie Romero, can you do that on the replacement side? Um, sorry, avoiding a cat meow again. Um... You know, actually, I, I, I can't answer that question for sure. So maybe one of your callers can call in and, and answer that. Do you um, know that guy? Do you know the answer yeah, to that? I, I don't think Newsom can be a, a, on the replacement side uh, of the ballot. As a write-in? Um, and, and in order <laughs> oh. to get, well, in yeah. order to be a write-in, I think you would have to file yourself as a write-in ahead of time. Um, I don't think, I don't think Newsom would be uh 
qualified to do that. But if you know, if election experts, if you're listening, feel free to call in. Yeah. I just do want to weigh in on <laughs> on uh, on Doug's point, though, which I think is a really good one. Uh, you know, about the ties that the Newsom campaign has made to things that we're seeing going on around the country, whether that be the insurrection on January 6th or the you know efforts by Republicans in other states to pass voter restrictions. Um, we've you see that in the Elizabeth Warren ad. She kind of ties the recall campaign um, to some of these efforts on voter restrictions happening around the country. She says supporters of the recall are abusing the process to remove Newsom from office. And I do wonder how this will play with a lot of voters who maybe on its face might not support removing Newsom from office, but, you know, support of the recall are not abusing the process. They're simply using it. And we, and we can have that debate after the election about how well this process still serves California. Um, but they are kind of playing it by the book. If anything, Democrats in the legislature have actually changed recall laws in the last couple of months in order to speed up this process. Um, so I think those to me seem like a little tenuous to, to try to tie those uh, to some, you know, uh, efforts around the country. But I think it's it's in line again with the strategy of making this a national Democrat versus Republican contest. Let me go to John next in Santa Rosa. John, thanks for waiting. Not at all. Good morning. I just had a question about data quality, um, you know, following the last two presidential elections and sure. midterms and the disastrous you know, predictions that were wildly inaccurate. You know, what, if any, uh, lessons learned have been, um, you know, wrapped into this this latest University of Berkeley study? Because it just seems, you know, yes, there's a massive war chest, but when, when does the political consultancy class go the way of the dodo for being wrong so many times about so many different elections? Mindy Romero, the reliability of this uh, Berkeley IGS poll? Oh, uh, generally very, incredibly well regarded, long history with the poll and its methodology. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it there if that's the question. Well, I mean, what, certainly we can always debate, um, particularly how likely voters are measured. You can always um, have a critical eye of any poll, especially when it comes to the sample of um, voters of color, low income voters, young voters. Um, but all in all, this is a highly regarded study. Um, and really, we want to look over time, right, the changes in from from the IGS poll and and others and, 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 and see what we can learn from from this. Rachel writes, I'm so exhausted after the presidential election and the fiasco that's followed it that I just haven't really drilled in on this that much. Thank you for bringing it front and center. I'm a Newsom supporter, but I really kind of ignored the background noise. I will keep my eye out for my ballot. Leslie writes, what will the fact that Governor Newsom's party affiliation is not listed on the ballot due to a staffer's error have an impact on the outcome? Guy Marzarati, what do you think? And if you want to give us a little background as to how that happened. Sure. So this was that, you know, a filing error uh, by the Newsom campaign very early in the recall process. They would have had to file and, and state a party affiliation. They did not. Uh, Newsom then tried to sue this summer the secretary of state in order to get uh, the D next to his name on the ballot. Um, ultimately, I don't think this will have a huge impact. Uh, Newsom's name, again, is appearing on the first question. He's by himself in that question. So it's, you're not seeing him listed next to a bunch of other candidates. Um, and I, I'm not sure that, you know, I, I think many voters will know going in who the governor is if they're interested in uh, recalling him or not. Um, I do think, you know, we I don't we haven't talked so much about this vote by mail piece of this that I think is really important. Um, and the you know listener brings up getting the, the mail ballot 
uh, in the mail by default, which every registered voter in the state will, just like in 2020. Um, and I think going into this, we might have thought, okay, th- this is a, a way to protect against low voter turnout, is making sure everyone will get the ballot in the mail by default. Newsom signed a bill earlier this year to make that happen. But in the last few months, we've seen a few special elections for state assembly in San Diego, in Los Angeles, in Oakland, where every voter got a ballot in the mail by default without asking for it. And we still saw really low levels of turnout. I mean, below 30 percent of of registered voters participating. So I think that might be evidence that just sending out ballots to everyone is not a guarantee to see the kind of levels of turnout we saw in 2020, which, again, play into this red flag uh, for the Newsom campaign of, okay, how else can we make sure people who are getting their ballots are actually returning them? Well, Minnie Romero, yes, go right ahead. I was just going to absolutely agree. It's it's definitely not um, uh, a, a safeguard by any means. And and I've done along with Eric McGee of PPIC some of the uh, first research in California identifying the effect of vote by mail on turnout. And in 2020, we did see a positive effect by a, a few percentage points. But that was a very different kind of election. Here we're starting with, you know, again, if we're assuming that, um, which at this point we are, that lower turnout is possible. Um, you're not going to vote by mail. It's not going to take us up to the levels of a general, you know, presidential election. Um, and people get that that ballot, and if they're not expecting it, I mean, quite frankly, even in a general presidential year, many of us get a ballot in the mail. And when it comes to when you're finally putting your attention to to voting, if you yeah. are planning to vote, you go, "Where's that ballot?" And you're searching through your mail, and where did you throw it? And where did you put it? And um, so people have to just know that it's there pay attention to it, um, and then also have made the decision that, again, voting is important. Otherwise, that ballot can sit there and be unused and and be irrelevant for many people. Well, Bill writes, it is possible that a governor elected by a large majority of voters could be replaced by an opposing candidate with only 30 percent of votes cast. And in an election where turnout is far below normal, this makes no sense. Impeachment of a president requires a two-thirds majority because a higher threshold is mandated. A recall should be the same. Minnie Romero, as you just said earlier, you have said that voter turnout really hinges on whether Californians believe the recall election is important to their lives, that it will be consequential to their lives. And it sounds like uh, the governor and the people vying to replace him, but the governor in particular will need to convince them of that. Dr. Mindy Romero, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And Guy Marzarati, glad to have you on as well. My pleasure. Guy Marzarati of KQE's Politics Desk. Dr. Mindy Romero, founder and director of the Center for Inclusive Democracy, a nonpartisan research center at USC. Thanks to our listeners for weighing in with their thoughts and questions. Thanks to Nina Sparling for producing today's segment. We'll have more right after the break. We're talking with Jonah Mixon-Webster. So stay with us for that. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. 
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.